everyone from two very hot and bothered people. Hello from the centre of the sun. Yes, if you can hear a noise in the background, it is a fan. We are not turning it off. Apologies if you don't like the, the noise of it. But if we turn it off, we will probably die. And when we say a fan, we don't mean like someone who's celebrating us and loves our work. No. It's more like of a, a plastic pole filled with rotating parts i think people know what a fan is blowing hot air at us as this is by all accounts going to be the hottish hottish the hottest day in britain of all time <laughs> you've got nothing to say Sanya. i don't know not really i'm too hot to talk i'm just sitting here under a wet towel in your bra on the floor with the hot air from the fan blowing in our general direction it reaches that point doesn't it where the air that gets circulated by the fans just becomes hot air oh yeah yeah it's definitely hot air it's reached that point which is why we've got the wet towels because they're when great. it blows on them yeah, they are great like they're wet towels that our daughter got us from her work that are special cooling material i i have to say i'm not convinced by these so-called special towels i think this would work with any towel Possibly, but it's less absorbent than a, a normal toweling towel. So yeah, you don't get soaked. No, but you want them to stay wet. These do dry out. Do they? Mine's yeah. all right. Anyway, by the time you listen to this, the, the heat wave will have passed and you'll be like, oh, what a fuss they're making. Well, you know, suck it up because, you know, it, it, these, these are record-breaking temperatures. And I heard someone say, Sanya, yeah. that it might never snow again in England. <gasps> oh, I thought I thought they out? said that ages ago. They did, yeah. I didn't. Hear that's that. old news, Paul. I heard someone say that they'd heard someone say. Paul, that's old news. <laughs> Sadly, it's not old news. It's very now and very current. Go and listen to an hour before it's dark if you want to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back on somewhere else. This might be a short episode because I don't know how much energy we've got or enthusiasm for doing anything today. (laughs) We'd have done this on one of the cooler days this week, but unfortunately it's a packed week that we've got. There are no cooler days this week. There are. Tomorrow's, it's dropping right down to 27 tomorrow. (laughs) Remember when we used to think 27 was hot? Yeah. Do you remember those days when we actually thought 27 was like boiling hot? We don't exist. What does that mean? We're complaining. There's people in mediterranean countries and caribbean countries and who live near the equator who are used to these temperatures they live in these temperatures for most of the year look we've and they're talked just about like, this they're just like get over yourselves guys yeah they are like that but that's because they don't live in the uk where basically our houses are sweat boxes they're they're built to trap the heat and trap the heat they do <sighs> let's move on let's right. move on so Let's go somewhere else, Paul. Yes, that's very good. Well done. If you uh, recall, Sanya, a couple of days ago, I lost your iPad pencil. Do you remember that? Your (laughs) Apple pencil? It's not mine. It's ours. It is ours. It's not mine. Well, when I threw it on the sofa the other day, you were like, hey, you checked all my stuff on the sofa. No, I I said I was shocked that you threw it so violently. It fell on my head. I was shocked that you'd throw such a precious item. It fell on my head. violently. Well, sorry that the violent way it fell on my head. And my head is not considered a precious item. <laughs> I mean, I'm I glad don't you understand. Think it's disposable. I don't understand how it fell on your head because I've sat it with me. I've sat with it next to me on the very same shelf so many times, and it, it's never fallen. I, 
I thrash around more and I'm bigger <laughs> than you. you. I knock things more than you. I have I have less what's the word? Spatial echo, awareness. You've got you, you use your echolocation less masterfully. Anyway, when I was looking for your Apple pencil, I found the issue It's of not the, my Apple pencil. The, it's the ours. Apple, the Apple pencil. Yes. I found the issue of the web magazine that I'd been looking for, which features part two of Andy Rotherham's interview with Mike Hunter, in which Mike goes into a lot more detail. So before we crack on with the second half of the album, I just want to read a few things out Ooh. from the interview, which is a great interview. It was a four-part interview, I believe. Wow. Went on for a whole year. What really? Well, because the mag I think comes out what four times oh, a year. Oh, quarterly. Okay. Yeah, not it didn't like, but it wasn't. They weren't interviewing for three hundred sixty-five days, twenty-four hours a day. An interview a week. Long. So um, this was interesting. What was left over, or rather, what they recorded first, and then what got left over from those sessions? Because if you recall, there were some tracks from Marbles that they that was what they started working on, uh, but there were a few others. And pretty much everything that they started working on didn't end up on somewhere else. So the tracks, the tracks they started. Wait, wait, wait! Sorry to interrupt. So say that again. Everything they started working on from scratch didn't end up on somewhere else, or everything they started working on that was left over from Marbles didn't make it onto. Well, I think there were some songs. That was their starting point. There were some songs from Marbles, and then I guess perhaps some new bits, but none of those made it onto somewhere else. Oh. I've basically repeated myself, I know, because I think I was quite clear the first time. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know another way to... You right there? What are you doing? You having, you having a coffee? Iced. Iced coffee. coffee. Right, so, um, so Mike, as we know, mixed some of the tracks on Marbles, including the Marbles 1 to 4 tracks. Uh, and also then he came back to do Marbles Live, to do the, the engineering on that. And then they started setting up to work on these leftover songs and the, there was the whole idea of the ep that i've talked about which was apparently the the reason why they chose to do the ep is that it felt like less of a commitment than doing another full album because they were all feeling quite burnt out by marbles yeah understandably i i bet that was an intense process yeah. of creation so this was 2005 so the tracks that they started working on in spring 2005 were Real Tears for Sale, which ended up on Happiness is the Road. This Train is My Life, which ended up on Happiness is the Road. Power. Get out. Yeah. No. Power. That that far before. Uh, that no. dates back to the Marble Sessions. No way. Because I, I remember that was one. I remember that specifically being one that had been knocking around for a while. Because I remember Pete mentioning it in interviews. Wow. Um, so Power. Uh, State of Mind, which is on Happiness is the Road, and Faith, which we all knew was a leftover from Marbles because they previewed it, uh, and then Circular Ride and Say the Word, which became B-sides of Thank You, Whoever You Are. Interesting. So, so basically they wrote Happiness is the Road plus some others. Um, no, because there's a lot more on Happiness is the Road. They wrote a few tracks. Oh, okay, yeah. They wrote, <laughs> they didn't they wrote even a chunk them. of They happy- started work on them. And right. then, as Mike says, he says, I don't think any of them were really convinced by power, which is crazy because it <gasps> turned into such a great song. Oh, my God. There didn't seem to be any appetite to try it. I liked it, but I didn't feel I wanted to push them to do it. So it got put to one side. They all wanted to do Real Tears. I wasn't mad on Train. This Train is my life. 
to be honest, the music was completely different to, I guess, what it ended up as on uh, Happiness is the Road. Uh, the version of Train we now know uh, has only the lyrics from that time. Everything else was redone. Say the word, everyone but bar two of them really hated it. Um, we then had five tracks, and by the end of the recording, they didn't really know what to do. We kept on doing other bits, jams and stuff, and it started them thinking that maybe they should do a few more tracks and finish an album. I think that to them it sounded again like they wouldn't be in the studio for long so they could cope with it. Uh, and they decided on a single album of about 10 tracks so they started jamming again and that was the, the genesis, sorry for the choice of words, of, uh, of somewhere else. I'll go back to the interview at the end of the episode um, because he talks about the reception to it and, and some of the choices they made in terms of, uh, in terms of, production decisions and also how he thinks some of the criticism that he got was wrong or at least inaccurate so you're saying mike hunter was aware that the criticism was inaccurate at the time well hang on what do you mean inaccurate now what i mean by that is some of the specific allegations such as so you'll get me talking about and i was going to do it at the end oh sorry (laughs) such as that the album wasn't laid he argues that it was in places And that is something that we said last week. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but funnily enough, there are... I can't remember which song it was, but one of them I did really pick up on the layers. So Um, it's not necessarily that there aren't layers. It's more about how those layers are presented. Perhaps they're more condensed, so it seems like there are fewer layers. Now I really want to know which song I thought it was. Well, if, it might have been, funnily enough, it might have been somewhere else. Yes. I'm not that, sure. Well, look, I can tell you exactly, as we're about to start talking about somewhere else, I can tell you exactly what he said about it. Andy Rotherham said to him, somewhere else is layered. And Mike Hunter agreed, it is. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Uh, there was a bit more to that answer, but it relates to one of the later songs. So so we'll get into that. But let's talk about somewhere else, the title track. All right. Which is, I have to say, up front, coming off the back of last week's Most Toys ending, much of a relief. Yeah. Like, balm for the ears. Mm. When mo- Most Toys ends and somewhere else begins, it's like a symphony. It's like the heavens open the pearly gates open and you're admitted out of hell into the paradise regions of the universe wow that was quite a sentence that just kept going (laughs) it did didn't it (laughs) so what do you got to say about it what do you do well i'm guessing you like it from that oh yeah i definitely do i think it's i i feel like it's the song with the most marillion-y atmosphere on the album like modern Marillion as we know them. Yeah. I feel like it's the most, I don't want to say true to them, but like the most distilled essence of theirs is heard through the song. I think it's true to them because something that we... we... But I don't want to say the other songs aren't true to them. I'm just saying this one seems very kind of iconically Marillion. It does. For me... This is a slightly annoying thing. I remember at the time H describing it as... I can't remember the exact quote, and I've tried finding it. He described it as um, Susie and the Banshees meets... I can't remember. Probably Radiohead, let's face it. It was something like that he described. And it, and 
and when I was talking to Lucy about the press release at the time, that was one of the things that she sort of said, you know, she said, I don't find it helpful when people do that. Because whatever the influences are that have gone into the song, it sounds like Marillion once oh, it's come ab- out the other end. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just feel like out of all the songs on the album, this is so purely them. Yeah, without a doubt. And it, it it's that's from not only the sort of atmospheres that are in there, the sort mm. of chiming kind of keys and, and guitar, but just also the slow build. You know, it, yeah, it, it takes its time to reach its conclusion, which is, I have to say, that last minute and a half or so is one of my favourite bits of Meridian of all time. I just wish it was longer because I love that minute and a half. You don't say that very I often. I wish, I wish the first sort of eight minutes or so was shorter. Oh, okay, there that, we go. And I wish that the ending was longer. You know, that when it when it all takes off, yeah, it just goes, whoom. Yeah, gorgeous. But it's but maybe song. maybe that taking off is more effective because of the first eight minutes. I think I think you could still take a couple of minutes out of it. <laughs> I still do. I still think you could. Uh, also, because if it feel and this is something that I'm going to say as well about the wound, it's a song that ends up feeling quite lopsided to me, weighted in slightly the wrong way. I I love all that slow build and that. Uh, the sadness that's sort of baked into the music mm. that they again do that beautiful thing of you know it's, I suppose it's chicken and the egg which comes first you, you know was it H putting his lyrics onto that music or was it the music that helped to mm. you know uh, shine a light on what H's feelings were around yeah. those lyrics you know, I would love to know how they did that but we, regardless which order it went yeah, in regardless it works and it's it's what they do brilliantly but it does feel slightly weighted towards that the slower parts you know and i know i know the slower the bulk of the song it has two sort of distinct sections and then it has the whoom whoosh at the end where everyone just it's all pulling in the same direction in such a brilliantly marillion way mm. that's all that's my only criticism of the song i would happily hear this live over and over again and i wish they'd play it and i think it is one of their best songs yeah i think it's one of their best songs i think it's just beautiful i love i love everything on it i love the reverb on the guitar i love the bass i love the way h sings it brings out the best in h's voice oh especially like when he sings the look at myself bit Mm. oh just mm. what i will say as well is and i don't know if this comes from knowing what the song is about and knowing where h first came up with the song but the the repetition of the lines in that sort of suggests to me someone kind of rocking back and forth in bed. Oh, <laughs> that's what it feels yeah. like. It doesn't feel like it's sort of lazy repetition. It feels like it's using the words and the voice to to evoke that emotion. Yeah, of someone who's sort of at their rock bottom. Kind of like a repetition that is mirroring a thought or a feeling that keeps repeating in a person because they they haven't fully processed it. They're in the middle yeah. of processing it. Oh, also, I have to say, the walkie-talkie sounds at the oh, end I with a beep. Oh, my God, the little beep. It's just like, when you, it, when oh, they so have satisfying. When she's done that with a, with a megaphone. With a beep? Well, yeah, with a megaphone. Oh, right, but then how do they do the beep at the end? Well, well okay, there's two... <laughs> Sorry, I know, that's such a stupidly such a... specific detail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. God. Sorry, it's too hot for for this. 
A megaphone, they're ele- electric or electronic, yeah. so they make that noise. I and get you take the crap. Fin- yeah, you take your finger off a thing. It's a bit of feedback. Oh, okay, right. Now <laughs> it's not exactly. Now the whether same. they used the real <laughs> megaphone or whether it was a process thing with some sound effects, I suspect the latter. Yeah. Uh, and I often wonder when they've done it live, whether he's really singing through that megaphone or whether it's it's done through the sound desk or whether it's just him miming and they. Anyway, I never. Oh, know. I really? Yeah, I'd like to know when they do it live what what's really going on. Oh my goodness, I'd never even thought about that. Yeah, but what, I'd be I'd be more thinking about how they're going to get the, the beat, beat to sound accurate. What I do love about that, maybe it's a Mike Hunter thing. I hope it's a Mike Hunter thing because it's really smart. But it it feels like someone who's sort of drifted away or isn't there or yes, it it gives it a sort of. Um, a distance. Yes. It, it's the sound of someone who's removed. They're yeah. not, they're clearly not in the same space as you. They're not in the same plane as you. Yeah. Because you can't just communicate normally. Even their voice has been filtered in order to reach you. Yeah. 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 It's uh, absolutely a, a masterpiece in what Marillion do best. Yeah. I love it. I, I'd like to know what how many votes it's got. To be played live, you know, on the, the uh, poll. I've given up on that stupid poll. Oh, by the way, everyone, Sanya got admitted into the Meridian <laughs> yeah. fans group. I don't yeah. know if this I, is... I was going to bring this up later <laughs> because it's it was specifically because one of the songs on this album that I wanted to vote for. Oh. That I was I like, I'm going to try one. and apply for the group again. And they got in, yay, and I did I'm vote pretty for sure it. it was an oversight it was, before. It was probably There's an no accident. Reason. I've accidentally, I'm pretty sure I've accidentally or almost accidentally rejected someone from a group. Yeah, I, I don't believe for a second they but, would have deliberately rejected you. I don't think they reject anyone. <laughs> it's a good group, though. I yeah. had a little look through. It's like, I'm oh, this is a great you group. I'm a member already. Me too. Well, I'm not. I'm not that good at Facebook. I tend to only go on Facebook for these two other groups. Well, yeah, you're far right into. ones. No, <laughs> no, they are not. Um, and then I forget to look at anything else on there. Yeah. So let's talk lyrically. All right. So before you tell me what it's about, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw my guess into the mix. Thanks and for telling me. By the way, I was sat here with headphones on, wondering I why was... my ears were hot. <laughs> I was thinking of going like that, but I thought you were aware of it. It's been muffled. My ears were really hot. I thought you were aware of it. No. Oh. They were plugged into my... I wasn't listening to it. They were just plugged into my laptop from (laughs) when we were checking beforehand whether we could hear the fan on the... Too loudly on the sound. I thought it was a conscious choice. No. Now I feel like a right fool. Well, if only only I can see you. (laughs) What a shame our whole audience now know all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Off you go. Come on then. All right. So after listening to somewhere else, I was wondering, it it sounds like this is another song about H being hard on himself again and wondering whether there was any value in this rock star trip that he's been on. It seems like it seems like it has just left him damaged, you know, with blackened eyes and cut lips and it's like he's saying other professions that are a bit more altruistic, like doctors, um, you know, the less hedonistic professions have more value. Um, it sounds like he's saying that he feels like all he's done 
is in a way manipulated people into loving this projected persona of him, this Mr. Taurus. Oh, oh, by the way, is his birthday in May? Yes. Oh, so he is a Taurus. Okay, <laughs> cool. This Mr. Taurus who ate a thesaurus and made the girls cry. And ultimately all that did was cause damage. So he shows us the ones that he broke earlier. All it did was cause damage and isolate him to the point where he felt that he was not on the same planet as everyone else anymore. He was like in, in an emotional outer space with this antique royalty of Tutankhamun and other stars out, out far away in the cold. And interesting that he said space out where the stars are. So other stars, fame, other famous people or stars of history like Tutankhamun be considered a star, I guess... I'm not saying anything. I guess to history, I know specifically what the Tutankhamun thing. Oh, uh, okay. All right, I'll get ready to get that wrong. Yeah, that's where the stars live. They're they're bright and they glow for us all, but they're so far removed from everyone else. They're out in the cold. They're out in the remoteness of space. They're disconnected. They're separated from everyone that they love. You know, even the distance between stars is so immense. They're even separated from each other, on in a sense. Um, and then when he says such a thin line between love and hate, I thought, oh my goodness, that so sums up his overall relationship with fame over the years mm. that he's expressed in previous songs as well. Throughout this song and, and other songs that he's written, you really see how he's been so attracted to the lights of fame and yet at the same time really repulsed and ashamed by them so there's there's a real turmoil within him there's no there's no peace and then and then I was wondering whether these feelings this feeling of turmoil and this attraction repulsion with fame made him I wonder if it if it was part of the reason why he started to think about using his platform to speak out for greater causes so like you said the album was linked to make poverty history it was like, okay, I've got this career that's seen as being a little bit hedonistic, a little bit self-indulgent, luxurious. How can I use it to be more valuable for the greater good? Maybe I can use it to speak out on issues that I care about. And it's just the fact that that H has the self-awareness and the courage to look at himself through this song, like that he's speaking this way, that he you know, the line to look at myself. He's willing to look at himself, at his flaws and not just what's great about him. I think that says a lot about the type of person he is because not everyone would do that. There's a lot of people out there, maybe even some singers out there, that would be more willing <laughs> to point the finger at yeah. others, at the government, at other people in their lives, like ex-partners or whatever, and just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sanya, you're not very subtle, but anyway... <laughs> I'm not naming names because there are many people that do this. There are many people that do this. And the fact that he has even written these lines, that he has thought about this, and he, he has been willing to bring himself into the equation, that says a lot about the type of person he is. Possibly the fact that he's willing to do that is part of the reason why he and the band have been so loved and continued to be successful over the years because someone who's got the humility to put themselves into the equation and to take responsibility for things that haven't gone right for maybe damage that's happened in themselves or in others 
that they've been in a relationship with or with the world. Mm. That I, I agree. That, that's that. That says a lot. I think yeah. it's true, and I do wonder. I mean, all right, okay, Fish. Fish's solo career, you know, it, it's been okay, uh, but it hasn't done quite as well as Marillion with H. That's the reality. Um, you know, they have done better long term than Fish did, and I do think it's something to do with the fact that H is is prepared to make himself vulnerable, and is prepared to be so open and honest with what he's feeling and doesn't always sort of hide it behind too many words. And I think that makes her sort of love him more. And I also think it's part of the reason why H is such an asset to Marillion. And this is no criticism of the other members of the band, but they don't give as much of themselves out there. And H does. And H allows us to access the band in an emotional way. Yeah. And it allows the audience. And I think as well, it's it's really key to those of us who've sort of grown up with a band and we've perhaps emotionally matured. There's an there's an emotional maturity that comes with his lyrics that again, this isn't a criticism of Fish, but Fish does sometimes sort of bury things beneath words and sometimes it's about clever wordplay. I mean H does it as well, but I don't know, there's something more accessible about the emotions in H's words that I really respond to and I just wonder whether well, that's part of their success. Possibly, because it feels like he is willing to put himself in that vulnerable place where he's not... To show he's not perfect, he's not yeah. always right. Also, as seen through the the words in this song, it's like it shows an ability to listen. And I read somewhere that what is what is being able to really listen and that's whether it's to life or to yourself or or to your mistakes it's being open to change and i feel that i feel that this song demonstrates that he does have an openness to change it's like i've arrived at this place it feels like he's losing or he's lost everyone that he loved and this has given him time to reflect and made him open to change. And actually, okay, so now that you've mentioned the band as a whole and perhaps why this is, why they've continued to do so well and continue to stay so loved and I'd even say grow with how much their fans love them over the years. Yes, they might not have kind of reclaimed that audience that they had in the 80s, but it, it has grown and it is it's, a healthy audience now and we, our love has certainly grown, I think. It, I feel like since marbles for sure the love that the audience has had for their work has possibly deepened yeah yeah it has. and strengthened and now i'm wondering if maybe it's because you know you say you don't get you don't see how much the other band members give of themselves but they do through their music they don't through words but they no, do no. through their music and all it takes is to see how people respond to rothers on the guitar yeah you know he can make grown men cry hmm. without words yeah oh look i totally agree with that that there's no question that every member of that band is loved by but what i'm saying band. is he's expressing himself but not through words yeah, he's giving okay. of himself but not I through know, words no no i and, agree with you of course but at the same time I, it, words are words you know wor yeah. words can spell out yeah 
you know, there's That's no, true. there's no, although there sometimes is depending on how the words are written, but there's no ambiguity yeah. with words. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if, you know, going back to this, the ability to, to listen is the willingness to change. Maybe as time has gone on, they've really been able to listen to each other and themselves and create music that is more true to them because of that. Yeah, maybe. Because maybe before they were listening to other people too much, other people sort of going or listening to what they thought they should be doing. Well, weirdly, this is something that I do want to touch upon either at the end of this episode or on another episode because I think the reaction or at least the perceived reaction to somewhere else was really key into pointing them, you know, on the next step of their journey. Yeah. I think because you look at what's come afterwards and it broadly speaking, it, it's sort of much more Marilliany for again, whatever that is, mm. you know, but I also want to argue that this is very Marilliany. Oh and yeah. Marillion.com is very Marilliany and radiation is very Marilliany. Yeah. And that every one of those albums was important in its own way. And this is something that, doing this journey chronologically as we are has become more and more clear to me that that every one of those albums has its worth in the story and in the journey because it led to whatever yes. came next yeah and, i agree you know, in isolation when you take it, it you know when i got to meridian.com and went shit i don't know if i'm a fan anymore i don't know how much of this i like i didn't know what was going to come down the down the track yeah and we needed point. to be there in order to get to where we are now yeah yeah you know and it was the same that happened with somewhere else you know some people didn't like it but off the back of this we got happiness is the road sounds that can't be made fear and an hour before it's dark yeah because this album happened yeah true exactly so now you can tell me what okay. <laughs> what the real meaning well, is well you're not you've got some elements right you focused I think perhaps too much on the fame thing ah. it's not really a song about fame it's a song about the point at which his marriage had ended he had moved out of the family home ah. and he blamed being a rock star for it but it's not really about that it's about literally what the song says everyone I love is somewhere else or lives somewhere else right. his kids and his, his wife right so this is uh, from an interview. I got the quote off of Meridian Explanations of Song Elements. Unfortunately, I don't know which band member this this comes from. It could be Pete, it could be Rothers, it could be Ian. It's not Mark and it's not H, but because they're mentioned in it. But the song came about because Steve and his wife, after a long-term relationship, parted company while we were writing the album. He spent Christmas 2006 living round at Mark Kelly's and Mark had gone away with his family. Christmas Eve, Steve was all alone and he was thinking of his kids and stuff and he started writing somewhere else. He happened to be in one of the bedrooms and it had this kind of foily stuff and a very kind of spacey decor. Apparently the wallpaper was gold, had gold foil on it. Cool. Tutankhamun, spaceship of shimmering oh, gold. Oh, um, I see. <laughs> that's... Cool, I want wallpaper like that. The bit about being a spaceship is about being there in a place you don't necessarily recognise and all of it goes with your life being turned upside down. Ah. So some of it's quite literal. Right. And some of it is more 
you know, metaphorical and suggestive. Lyrically, I don't want to criticise this song at all because I love this song. Uh, oh, okay, I already said some of it's too long, but anyway. Um, it wasn't really a criticism because I still love it. But there's a couple of lines in here that, that I feel maybe kind of needed a I don't know, I would have benefited from another part. <laughs> okay, tell us what... Well, okay, I don't love Mr. Taurus ate a thesaurus. I, I do. It, it scans really nicely. Made the girls cry and skip straight to the chorus. Yeah, because that's what he's saying. I don't know. I, okay, it just annoyed me. Oh, it's always annoyed me because I don't walk around don't... calling myself Mr. Leo. <laughs> it's a weird thing to oh, call yourself. it's a poet. It's a poet. It's a poet. <laughs> it's a poet. It's a poem. It's poetry. It doesn't have to be... He he probably doesn't walk around calling himself Mr. Taurus, but it's just sort of saying this character, also, this projected okay. aspect of his character. Also, the very first two lines, this rock star trip, some serious ship. The, the phrase is serious shit. What's a serious ship? What's a serious ship? Maybe he didn't want to write the word shit. Okay, a couple of years later, they released an album called Fuck Everyone and Run. Yeah, yeah but they'd evolved into <laughs> being comfortable with swearing openly. Or is it because ship rhymes with trip better? Anyway, be, beside that, I love everything else lyrically. White knuckle journey, black on my eye and cut my lip. Better to be a doctor or a man who walks the earth. My God, I love that line. I don't know why. Uh, hedonistic laughing voice. Oh, boys. wow. What's any of it worth? A man who walks the earth and he's yeah. up in space. I love all that. Mr. Taurus had a great fall. All the King's horses were no good at all. No good at all. And then just the whole, when it goes into it, everyone I love, everyone I love lives somewhere else. And I've had time to look at myself. Mm. That it is, it's the scream, the way he almost screams the words at the end when he sings all that. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. It's like, make it stop. Make the pain stop. The pain that I've caused yeah. Through this lifestyle that I've chosen to pursue and the mistakes I've made, make it stop now, enough is enough. And I think, at least in the narrative of Marillion albums going forwards, you know, that felt like a sort of a full stop. And what's really interesting is that then going into the next album, we know that H started to get help and started to pull himself out of that because the next album, Essence, Happiness of the Road, Disc One, was about him discovering the power of now seeing a doctor uh, in Utrecht who prescribed him the power of now basically and oh. that was what turned his life around but this is him hitting rock bottom yeah yeah I've seen enough <laughs> and ironically rock bottom is up up so high in outer space okay yeah well yeah yeah so ungrounded yeah his rock bottom isn't feet on the ground it's amazing. his rock place. bottom is so ungrounded well it's isolated so removed you, you've got nothing around you yeah you're very very isolated and very very alone if you're yep. in space yeah so anyway there you go it's it's what a song what, what a, a song. song i want i really want to hear it live now yeah yeah me too please play it please play it please play it I love the next two tracks as well. I'm saying it up front. I love this run of Somewhere Else. Voice from the Past and No Such Thing. I just think it's sublime. I think it's an absolutely sublime run of music. And they would be the three tracks if I was going to hold this album up and go to someone, this is better than you remember. It would be those three. 
I think Voice from the Past is absolutely underrated and gorgeous and really needs to kind of be reintroduced to the fan base. Mm. But he's got a great it's got a great lyric, uh and it's just I just think it's lovely. I think it's it's lovely the way again it's got a kind of for me a quite a classic Marillion sound. It it, it feels quite sort of mm, at the start sort of loose and atmospheric but then it's got those that big swell in the choruses and yeah when the electric guitar comes in at the end Mm. it just adds a bit of oomph and power to the song yeah but i even love the just the way it sort of drifts before that and you've got that three sort of note piano motif that goes through it oh i love the piano yeah yeah it's very reflective yeah you haven't got much to say about it. I can tell. Um, I can see in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I mean, yeah, I I agree. I love the I love the piano in it. I find the whole pace of the song is very reflective. I think there's a a lovely use of all the different instruments that come together and build the energy of the song as it goes along. You've really not got a lot to say, have you? No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, I suppose I haven't musically. I just really like it. Yeah, it's nice. Um, I just, I really like it. But I, what I, what I do is I really like it in the context of where it is between somewhere else and no such thing. Do you want to talk about the lyrics? I'll try. I'm guessing that this was a song that H wrote for Make Poverty History. That it, it's the Make Poverty History song. It is okay. Perfect. I could have called it that. The yeah. Make Poverty History song. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's pretty much straightforward. It's like a song about current generations not learning from the mistakes of history, not having empathy for each other's pain. Um, the voice for the past isn't alive anymore, but it's speaking clearly, clearer than the living. It's fresh and alive, full of life, passion and pain. It's talking perfect sense, but what it's saying sounds like nonsense to us, the current generations. We're not taking in the message. It's There's like a strange contrast between the lovely, gentle, reflective music and what seem like really pessimistic lyrics. And basically, it feels like H is saying there isn't much hope for humanity because of our unwillingness to learn from each other's pain and mistakes and because of our general lack of empathy for the plight of others who live in other parts of the world who, which have been taken by bad luck and the ill fortune of geography. So it's like, yeah, it's pretty pessimistic. Well, But I guess he's bringing... Because he's, he's saying, bringing awareness I want, I, to yeah, it. I want you to think about this. Yeah. Learn from the pain that others have been through. I want you to wake up and do something strange. I want you to listen. I want you to feel someone else's pain. He's asking. It, it's a plea for empathy, is what it yeah. is. It's a request for people to put themselves in someone else's shoes and imagine what they would feel like, and off the back of that, to help them. Now, you're absolutely right. What it's about. I don't think, you know, it's quite a straightforward lyric in a lot of ways. I think it's a lovely lyric. I think it, it it's, you know, gone but shouting anger, gone but talking perfect sense. I don't know. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I think there is sometimes with H's, uh, 
I don't want to use the word political because I don't see songs like this as political. For me, they, they're humanitarian. I don't see them as political either. I know some people do. I see it as humanitarian. But, but I don't understand how it could be political. People like, just, everything not, becomes political. I mean, political. political in the sense that it's serving the population. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the population of the globe, though, because he's basically saying, don't just look at your own town. Don't just look at your own country. Think of us as a planet. Okay, yeah, I didn't want to get stuck on this because okay, this sorry. is other people's agendas. All right. It's about the agendas of other people who politicise things that are humanitarian. That's then I don't want to call it that. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, what? <laughs> well, all right then. Let's keep politics out of Biampod. <laughs> I wasn't being political. I have to watch what I say because when I did sort of start asking about um, be hard on yourself or did question about be hard on yourself, Lucy did use it as an opportunity to have a go at me. Yes, what? she did have a go at me. She had a go at me when I interviewed her. When I asked, okay, when I floated the the notion that is H practicing what he preaches. Oh right, right. When I wow, floated my that memory, notion, yeah. <laughs> I still couldn't remember that. Um, I still, you know, I, I as we said in the first part of this somewhere else retrospective, I think H does very much have belief in his convictions and strength in his convictions you know as we know he's taking you know ukrainian refugees you know he he does what he can as all of us do as all of us do yeah yeah i'm not talking about us though oh no 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 well well, no basically what i'm saying is none of us are perfect none of us are perfect not even greta thunberg she's closer to perfect than we are (laughs) but you know none of us no matter how hard we try we can never be perfect Right, in but terms of the environment, at and... this point in Marillion's journey, and part of I think what ended up upsetting some people, and I think it is sometimes a risk with the way H writes his humanitarian lyrics, is that there is a risk of them potentially being interpreted as preachy and finger pointing, and what's the word? You know, it, it's like, I don't want your money. I don't, yeah, I want you to listen. It's not, I should listen more. You know, this was the defence that Lucy gave on his behalf when I interviewed her. She said, he's, to- he's talking to himself. Now, that's all fair and good. And yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he's telling himself that he needs to be more empathic. Maybe he is telling himself that he needs to recycle more and, and you know, stop buying as much crap and lamps and rugs and all the rest of it. But in the lyrics, it, it it's talking to us. You know, lyrically it's talking... So I understand why for some people it put their noses out of joint. It's like someone sitting in a corner at a party going, you should, you should, you should, while they're not practising what they preach. You know, that's how it comes across. Because mm. we perhaps don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. But nonetheless, if we don't know, then that is how it can be interpreted. And it was, I will say it, it was part of the heady cocktail that went into the reception that this album got. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's all just a matter of phrasing, like just changing 
the, the person at the party, not necessarily these lyrics, instead of saying you should, it's like we should. And yes, we. Turning it, that's it around the thing. into I a, want us This to, is the ideal yeah. that we're aiming for, which is what I believe the song is saying. It's like, I agree. this is yeah. the ideal. We might not be reaching it, but at least to have that goal to aim for. Yeah. If the lyrics were changed to, I want us to listen. That Yeah, possibly it, it, the reception may have been different, but, you know... Hindsight is twenty twenty. We don't always think of the perfect words in the moment, do we? No, what? no, that's for sure. I don't. No. Ever. No, what a shame he didn't have the opportunity to redraft the lyrics or anything like that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like it, it's not like he had he you know, he he literally just had to write down the first thing that came into his head, didn't he? And then just put that out. <laughs> Look, you're giving me a death stare. <laughs> I'm just listening to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, something similar happened a bit with Be Hard on Yourself. Yeah, it it did. And it's like, sometimes I think it's easy for people to just have a knee-jerk reaction to lyrics as they are instead of going, okay, put yourself in the lyricist's shoes what might they really be saying? Okay, you know a bit about them as a person. What might they really be saying? Are they the type of person that's just gonna... Tanya, that is a big ask of, of knee-jerk online bigots who are literally have that baked into their DNA. <laughs> it's a big ask of people. I'm just saying, take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Yes, of course they should. Well, part, no, I'm not part, saying part, they should, I'm saying we, 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 we maybe could. Yes. Right? We right. could all, we all take could. a step back. But this this is, and it's something I want to talk about. It, it, it is something that, yeah, I don't want to talk about it necessarily in depth this week. I think I touched upon it the other week about how I think H is better at writing personal lyrics than, than global. the global I mean, ones. yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I just think he does sometimes take a bit of a simplistic view of things. I don't necessarily say that about this song. Because I actually really like the lyrics, and I think my poverty history it had its critics, that's for sure. But it did, um, it, at least it, it, its intentions were yeah. honourable. Yeah, with, with time, uh, I think people look back on, or a lot of people look back on Band Aid, for instance, mm. as something that was very honourable and with the best of intentions, but perhaps was a little bit patronising. Right. Um, and I think some people saw Mate Poverty History in the same way. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard call because it's like, is the alternative of doing nothing better then than doing something imperfectly? Yeah, I agree with you. It's, and it's a you've real got to start question. somewhere. It's like the intentions, maybe not of everyone involved, but certainly the intentions of a lot of people were honourable. And yeah, possibly it it was an imperfect way of going about it. Sometimes you have to take the imperfect steps and the imperfect actions to learn from them, to get to a better way of doing things. So sort of having that happen and people going, oh, is it a bit patronizing? doesn't make it wrong for having happened, but you learn from it and, 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 and do it better the next time or slightly better the next time. You hope. You hope. Well, you aim, you sort of go, okay, that was a, a patronising way of doing it. How can we do it in a this less is, no, patronising way? I think you've way. slightly misunderstood what I mean. 
there's a there is a do you know what i don't even want to go down this rabbit hole because because it's it's not necessarily what i believe and i think doing something is better than doing nothing yeah i just want to sort of explore why the song and why make property history did get resistance in some areas Mm. but actually you know what i'm glad they did something i'm glad they tried yeah you know yeah exactly it's like well okay so you're saying environmental action a lot of times so you might use like recyclable materials but oh they use energy to create so that's just as bad for the environment as or let's say like you drink almond milk instead of cow's milk because you're trying to help the environment oh but almonds use up tons of water as well and they're really bad for the environment so it's like you're you're caught between a rock and a hard place but the fact is you're aiming to you're aiming to do better you're aiming to do better for the planet and for humanity and maybe that step isn't perfect but from that imperfect step you can take another step forward yes i'm not making sense but i I I understand what i'm saying Okay, but here, one of the criticisms about Make Poverty History was these countries got relieved of their debt. Did that trickle down to the populace or was that... For the know, politicians. Yeah. But that's something to look look at. So, they wouldn't you know, have known that going in, but after okay, it happened, you is, can look is, at that. But Okay, you see, you're dragging me into this. <laughs> oh, sorry. About. Okay, yeah, is, let's this, move on to the next no, song. No, no, this is my point, is that sometimes the naivety of that mindset mm. makes things worse, not better. You're saying doing nothing would have been better. No, I'm not. But I'm saying that there are some, not necessarily me, who do feel that. Right. Now, if you... if well, you, I mean, everyone can have their own perspective. I personally, I think Make Poverty History, in principle, was a great idea. You know, let's, let's get rid of the debt for these countries, but hold them accountable at the same time. You know, to, to making sure that but how do you do that when it's a foreign nation? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I did. As I say, it's not saying I feel I'm. I'm it's smart beyond, enough. Yeah, to it's beyond, beyond us, our beyond the scope, scope. Scope of this bloody. Uh, <laughs> you, you. It's so that all these things are so complicated, and the world. I get. I just get so tired of the world and how it how it's set up and how. There, there does, there needs to be a revolution, but a global one. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to a song that I'm going to say it now. I haven't got a clue what this is about. Oh. So, uh, musically, I've already said this. It's a complete rip-off of Planet Caravan by Black Sabbath. It's shameless. Shameless. Damn, I wish I'd listened to that now. Even the vocals. Really? Would you like me to play a bit? Yes, please. And I'm sad that I discovered this. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, now you're going to ruin it for everyone else. Well, yeah, because I love the song. Um, but when you hear Planet Caravan, all right, Marillion then, they, yeah, Planet Caravan just stays in that sort of slow rhythm. Mm. Um, whereas No Such Thing does build a bit. Mm. Yeah, and has a bit of a solo and all that going on. So here's Planet Caravan. Thank you. 
same sort of tom-tom drums going on, the guitar, the process vocals. They're not really hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> really not hiding it. I mean, you know, the only thing that's stopping them getting sued is the fact that it has a slightly different melody. You oh, got well. anything to say? Um, I have to say I love the guitar in it. The filter on H's voice is really interesting because it makes it sound like he's underwater. Or like Ozzy Osbourne in uh, Black Sabbath. No, there was a difference. There wasn't a Ozzy Osbourne sounded way more like whoa. <laughs> is, that a is that a technical term? <laughs> 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 you also like, doing an impression of Ozzy Osbourne? Then. Sure. Yeah, you were. You were waving your arms like Ozzy Osbourne. I, I love Ozzy Osbourne. I miss the Osbournes. The music feels really lonely. It's mm. like it's a it's it's a short, thoughtful, brooding song. I find it interesting how the repetitive guitar riff echoes the repetition of the lyrics of H singing There's No Such Thing. And I think that kind of echoes back to what you said in somewhere else where he was with like conscious repetition. It's not just repetition to fill a space, it's like yeah. repetition to depict something that's really playing on your mind or in your emotions something that you're pro in the process of processing but haven't quite come to a conclusion with haven't found an answer for um oh, i'm saying i'm a lot today it's fine i just edit them all out yeah but that gives you more work yeah i know it's a nightmare but i do it loads I'll try. everyone thinks I, I just talk really smoothly and you know. I never hear your arms. You know, that's the other thing I do. Yeah, because I take them out. Well, you, well, no. No, I never. I mean, in real life, you don't take them out. I don't. I don't pick up we on. We generally them. don't. They're little pauses. Everyone does it. If you actually listen to people, they um and you know so much. That's true. It's just to buy your brain a I'm bit gonna, of time. I'm going to try and just take a pause instead of saying um. No, it's just fine. I've got to edit those pauses out as well. So you might as well <laughs> okay. just go um. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think the guitar sound that that starts at around two minutes 30 as well is particularly beautiful that it? that's that's all i have yeah. to say about the music i love it i i it mostly musically reminds me of going under from clutching the straws other than planet caravan obviously uh-huh. it really reminds me of going under it's not it doesn't sound like going under but it's got that same sort of stripped back kind of almost improvised almost just a jam very very sparse Mm, very music. sparse that's a good way of putting it it's H and it's a short Which, one but it's H is going under for me yeah it's very cynical as well lyrically yes it's probably H's most cynical lyric yeah and I I don't know what it's about because it I well don't... I can I can give okay. what my interpretation is I didn't say cynical but now that you mention it that's such a perfect way of putting it for me H sounds very defeated and wa- vanquished right, he's a bit he, he's <laughs> sorry what's the matter vanquished oh, i see <laughs> wank squished vanquished <laughs> just off um, a quick wank squish no. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds very defeated and vanquished and i was wondering whether this was another song connected to make poverty history or commenting on the state of our world and our, our environment. But it feels more personal that. than that because he's. Well, of said- I mean, possibly it's it's layered in its meaning. Possibly it comes from a personal space of feeling hopeless and vanquished. The words like "there's no such thing as an answered prayer," that's such a perfect distillation of the essence of hopelessness that you yeah. can't even have hope 
on the mental realm, in the mental realm. I think that that you don't even have hope for prayers to work. That's the closest I think I got to perhaps an explanation is that it feels like someone who is at their lowest ebb. Yeah, he's just seeing the world through this cynical view. Yeah, there's no such thing as an action hero. No one's going to come and save you. Well, yeah, but this is where I was linking it then to make poverty history or the environment as well because, um, firstly, he was saying he was also he had this sense of there being no hope in a future sense but also in a present and past tense too and he was alluding to this idea that there's nothing free in this world everything comes at a price no action hero is going to save you there are no shortcuts you have to be the one to take action and to take responsibility if you want to create a better world and a better life for yourself everything comes at a price you can't expect to be given a good life. You can't expect to live on a wonderful, clean planet that's in great condition with people who all have global harmony unless you take some responsibility for it. Mm. Nothing's free. Nothing's going to be given to you. No prayers are going to be answered by some ethereal outside God. We have to create it. We have to put the action in. We have to put the effort in. And then he throws in the line at the end, there's no such thing as a faithful wife, which was like... Is that true? What do you mean? I'm asking you, is it true? <laughs> yes, I believe it is. It's true. There's no such thing as a faithful wife. Oh, no. And that's true, is it? <laughs> no, I mean, yes, oh, there is okay, such thing. Okay, listeners, no, no, you've, no. you've heard it. I mean, you've, heard it on no. the, you've heard it on the podcast, everyone. No, I mean, there is... <laughs> I believe that is true, yeah. You said it with such conviction. There is such thing as a faithful wife. Oh, okay. Is there? But maybe what H is saying, <laughs> but maybe what H is saying, so there's no such thing as a faithful wife. You can't just expect your wife to be faithful and do whatever you want and live your life however you want and expect her to be faithful to you and and stay with you forever if you're not going to put in the action in the relationship. You have to... extrapolated a lot from these lyrics. Well, no, because look at look back at somewhere else. Yeah, look but, back at somewhere else where I he's don't... saying, "Oh, the career that I've chosen has removed me from everyone I love. You can't expect everyone you love to always be there with you if you're not there with them. I don't know where you're getting all this from, from this one song, all this like stuff about connect- saving the planet. Where's that bloody come from, from one line about the ozone layer? Yeah. And him also saying there's no such thing as a free ride. There's yeah, no... I don't think that's got I, anything. I think it's layered. It nah. is. It's personal, but it's also looking I just, at. I disagree a, with from you a global on this one. perspective. And I can't even throw a real explanation at you because I don't know what it's about. But I, I have always seen this song as more personal. I think it's both. I, it is definitely personal. I, it is definitely personal. I just think it's like he's saying that everything's going to hurt you sooner or later. Everything, you know, that's not how I see it. Because he's at that point where that's how his life feels. And actually, if you want to throw forwards to the lyrics in the wound, you know, my life ran over me, what was it, 56 train wheels or whatever he sings in that. I think he's so battered by his life here. You know, there's there's no such thing as an easy ride. There's no such thing as a place to hide. There's no such thing as a perfect day. There's no such thing as the pearly gates. You just go die and that's it. There's no such thing as an ordered world. No such thing as an easy go. I just think he is bruised by the world and he is cynical and he is I I personally think it's like him throwing his hand up and going what's the point you know what's the point what's the point in any of it it's never going to get any better than this yeah possibly and I think there is I definitely agree with you that that 
there is an element of that in the song. I also think that buried beneath that is this idea that because there's no such thing as an easy ride, there's no one, no superhero is going to come and save you. What's the point of having hope for someone to come and save you? You've got to, you've got to put in some, you've got to take some responsibility as well. I don't, I don't see that in there. Oh, okay. I don't think he's at that point. I don't think he has that ability by this point in the song. I just think he, he is, he's like, well, you know, there's no such thing as peace of mind. This is it. This is life. Life just hurts you. I think we're going to have to stop there because we've talked for longer than I thought we were going I to. I didn't think we were going to talk for this long. Oh, it's because I went off on that rant make about Make Poverty History. Which you might cut out. Look, this is, and, then, <laughs> and then the podcast will be 10 minutes long. I won't cut all of it out. I just want everyone to know I'm at the point that H is at in uh, No Such Thing. I just feel really cynical and bruised. <laughs> what, so, about life? A bit at the moment, yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, and so, yeah, I know. I know. And also I'm really hot today, so I'm in a really bad mood. I've noticed. Yeah. I have noticed your mood. I don't know. I just, I'm just hot. I'm just hot. Yes, you are. Tired and oh, thank you, dear. Hot and tired and grumpy today. Uh, so you know, yeah, I'm feeling a bit cynical. I do believe, at least, stroke hope that my wife is a faithful wife. Your no. wife is a faithful wife. Good. One out of two ain't bad. Oh God, <laughs> Paul. So that's it for this week. Um... <laughs> If you would like to support this podcast, you can do on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash MrBiffo. It is as little as £1 a month to bequeath your love upon us. Uh, And we do get you the podcast early. We do the occasional bonus episode. Not occasional, we do at least a couple of bonus episodes a month, I think. Bonus episode! Uh, We're not doing one this week because it's too bloody hot. And I need to go and stand in front of the fan for a bit. Naked. No, you're the one sitting Let the there. Wind you're the one sitting your there in your hot pants and bra. <laughs> Tanya, did you? I, I can't even cut that bit out because I was talking. Rude. Don't don't like all that. Uh, that's it. I honestly, I'm sweating to death. It's too hot to be doing a bloody podcast. Next week, we're going to finish off the album. We're going to talk about The Wound. Rubbish. We're going to talk about Last Century. <gasps> Rubbish. Faith. No. Uh, Don't even go uh, there, Paul Rose. And if we have time, we're also going to talk about Circular Ride, which I think is a really interesting lyric, and uh, the other one. What's it What's called? What's the other one called? Oh, yeah. That one. Oh. I'm done. What's the other one called? Say I really the like word. the Say other the word. one. Say the word. Yeah. Say the word. And right. I'm... I, look... I'll say it now. I'm willing to fight you about faith. Okay, well then I will play you the original version without the the slightly annoying strings and trumpety uh, bits. Slightly annoying. Oh, what are you? The original was stripped sacrilege. down and so much better. Sacrilege. The original was better. It was better, simpler. Oh my god. They goodness. did a bloody Phil Spector on "Let It Be." Yeah. I can't. Let me put this cold cloth on oh, my. Oh God, it's too much. Right. Uh, everyone, sorry for being grumpy this week. It's too hot. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Yeah, Hope be you safe. all stay. stay in one piece. <laughs> like, not melt. Yes. And lucky you if you're in Australia or in Antarctica or any... Australia? Pop- there, it's winter there right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, good for them. Right, see you, everyone. Oh, New Zealand. Just say the Southern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> Bye. Bye.